This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Chemical hair straighteners have been a longtime staple in the black community. Perms, relaxers, conks, texturizers. They've all worked to either make the curls more manageable or get the hair bone straight. It's a process that women like Jenny Mitchell of Missouri have done to their hair since childhood. But last week, she became the face of a lawsuit filed against L'Oreal and Chicago-based Namaste Laboratories, claiming that their chemical relaxers caused her uterine cancer and left her unable to have children. Now, that suit comes on the heels of a report from the National Institutes of Health, which found a higher rate of the same type of cancer among women who use straightening products. Here to discuss the science behind this is Dr. Maya Green, Chief Medical Officer at Howard Brown Health. Dr. Green, welcome back to the program. Hello. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Also with us is Mary Mitchell with the Chicago Sun-Times, who wrote about the issue in her latest column. Welcome to Reset, Mary. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. And rounding out our panel is Ariane Nettles, a journalist and lecturer at Northwestern University. Welcome back, Ariane. Thank you, Sasha. So for those listening, I want to be transparent. We're all black women at this round table. But uh, each of us, we've had a different hair journey and a different relationship with relaxers, right? For me, I'll start with myself. It's been a part of my hair routine since I was about 10 years old, and I've pretty much stuck with it, uh, except for a short stint at the top of the pandemic when lockdown happened, salons were closed, I couldn't access my my box of cream. <laughs> and so I I attempted the natural hair journey and, and epically failed after about a year and a half. But I, I, I enjoyed more braids and faux locks and twists and things in, in between. But I just decided I wasn't good at this. It wasn't for me. And at the top of this year, went back to a relaxer. But let, let's hear briefly from you all what your journey has been like. Uh, you first, Mary. Well, I think my journey started in uh, prom for prom in 1963 when you want to get your hair fried, dyed, and laid to the side, you know. <laughs> and, and that's what I did. It was my first experience with relaxers. And over the years, uh, I, it was an up-and-down relationship. You know, you have a good hairstylist, and they do a very good job with your hair, and mm-hmm. you don't feel like your hair is in danger. And then you have that experience where... Uh, someone put a, a relaxer on your hair and your hair got scabby, your, your scalp got scabby and your hair started falling out. That was uh, part of the journey. Too. That's when they leave it on too long and right. it burns your but, scalp. Yeah, yeah, but in 1993, I think it was, I decided after coming to the Chicago Sun-Times and getting hired with my straight hair, my long dangling hair, I decided to cut it all off and go natural and lock it. And so my locking process, I wore that that hairstyle all the way up until uh, actually until I um, unfortunately got diagnosed with with breast cancer and uh, that I lost my hair mm-hmm. in that battle, yeah. but I saved my life. So, you know, yes. it was a good thing. And after that, uh, my hair didn't grow. It didn't grow back. And so then I tried, I went the way of the wigs and the extensions and that sort of thing, but it never felt right for me. Mm. The only thing felt right for me was natural hair. So now I am naturally bald. You are rocking it, <laughs> rocking it. Thank you. Beautifully. But that's my journey. Ariane? So I actually had a relaxer most of my life. I got one when I was really young, like three, four years old. I had really thick hair, I hear. Um, and my mom just thought it was more manageable to relax it, you know. And I think that that was kind of the... The thought process was even if you have a little girl and she's doing like braids and presses, 
Um, you got a lot of hair. You must have to relax it. So I did relaxers religiously four to six weeks yep. all the way through college. I mean, I was so good that when I went away to college, I could do my own relaxer. I, I was, never mastered that. I was so good. I could do my own. I probably still could if I wanted to. I was doing other girls <laughs> relaxers in the dorm room freshman year in the dorm. So I'd be like, come on, girl, I got you. I, let, me put, let, me put, let me put this perm up in your hair for you. Um, but now you're natural. Now I'm natural. So when I got pregnant with my son, you know, there's a big thing about like when you're pregnant, don't don't do this, don't do that. And that was the first time anyone said, well, actually, maybe you shouldn't <laughs> get a relaxer. Um, and so that was also the first time that I didn't do that four to six week schedule. Um, and I found that I was like, actually, my hair is still manageable um, if I have to take care of it in different ways. Yeah. And I just never got a perm again Ever after since. that. Never got a relaxer after that. Yeah, so. I've, I've never seen relaxer Ariane, so I've only known <laughs> this version. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dr. Green, you next. Yeah, so my personal journey is um, we come from a very naturalistic family. Um, spent a lot of time in Nigeria previously, and my mom, you know, while she she has had locks most of her life, has locks now or braids. Um, my aunt who came up in Chicago and in uh, West. Inglewood would make sure I got my hair kind of permed. And then I went away to college and then I started doing what my mom does. Yeah. So I've not had a perm since I was what, 17, 18, and I'm 45 now. Wow. Well, well, help us with this, this new study here. It's linked to chemical relaxers uh, or linking chemical relaxers rather to uterine cancer. Mm-hmm. What was your takeaway? Because I know naturally when we hear something is associated to cancer, many of us are going to think, oh, uh oh, I'm scared. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, my, you know, I have multiple walking, being a black woman, I walk in different kind of, you know, worlds as we we all do, right? Um, I'm a physician. So, of course, it was like, oh, let me read more about that. That's coming from something called the SISTER study that was done through the National Institutes of Health. Mm-hmm. And so the SISTER study kind of looked at 33.5 thousand women. Um, ages 35 to 74. So it was very informative, and we'll get into conclusions, and there is a link. Um, they, they are associating it with uterine cancer specifically, and we know that uterine cancer is the uh, top reproductive cancer among um, all new cancers yeah. uh, that, that women have. But my first one was like, let me look into it, and there is a link for uterine cancer. There's other uh, reproductive cancers being studied. And then there's uh, Maya, Maya that, you know, from the south side, you know, and Maya from the South said, said mm, my mama always told me, you know. So there's that. Everybody on this call also knows somebody. Told me, Girl, don't sure. relax You know, so don't do it. Uh, yeah. It kind of resonated with what I, you know, was told coming up. Yeah. So the, uh, the study was of 34,000 black women ages 35 to 74. About 378 uterine cancer cases were, were diagnosed. Um, those who said that they were frequent users of relaxers, so being more than four times a year, um, they had about over double the risk of uterine cancer compared to women who said that they don't use the products at all. Our Jenny Mitchell's lawsuit uh, that I mentioned earlier, the woman out of Missouri who basically claimed the same thing, uh, and the study, any of that a surprise to you, Ariane? I mean, we've always talked culturally mm-hmm. about the risk of relaxers. You brought up yourself about the whole, like, don't do it when you're yeah, pregnant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've never, we've always known that 
relaxers were not good in a in a way, right? Um, you know, like Mary mentioned, like you, how many of us had those burns? The you know. I, we just accepted it as a part of being beautiful, right? right. Um, a part of beauty's this, pain. Yeah, this 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 standard of you know I am my most beautiful when I have straight hair, and so we kind of prioritize this European standard above all else, and that just isn't as surprising, right? It, it, it's something that we have been taught, right? But also something that we have kind of been pushed to, you know, when we talk about Madam C.J. Walker right. and other, you know, even black women, you know, entrepreneurs, it, straight hair meant you could get a job. It right. meant you were seen as presentable, you know? Yeah. You know, it's very interesting that when um, I decided to lock my hair, that the most criticism that I received, one was from my father. He thought maybe I was having a nervous breakdown or something because Gosh. I wasn't combing my hair, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. but but also from black other black women who just saw locks at that time, and this was in the 1990s, as somehow it's unkempt, it's not clean, it's dirty, yes. uh, it's unattractive. And it, it, it just, it was, it was very heartbreaking for me for my daughter, who uh, I locked her hair. She had real thick hair, and I locked her hair, and she would go to school, and her teacher basically told her that, you know, I was doing it because I was just too lazy to do her hair. Talk about that age-old discussion in our community of good hair. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, babies being born and they're checking for the hair before anything else. If they got good hair or they got bad hair. And good hair was hair that was naturally curly or straighter than hair that was tightly coiled. Right. So like or a we used to call curl. Yeah, we used to call nappy, okay? It wasn't, if, you, if your hair napped up, it was bad hair. But if your hair was straight and it had a soft curl to it, it was good hair. Dr. Green, what do you think about the whole good hair versus bad hair discussion? I think it also goes in line with um, some of the things that we as black women have to break in order to walk into our true self, right? Um, scientifically, um, the, the, scientifically, the healthiest hair for a person is the hair that grows out of their head, whatever that is. And so um, that, that is good hair for them. Um, but if you look at the, we've talked several times about, well, we've talked historically about stigma and stereotyping yeah. and how that kind of ostracism actually plays into a person's self-esteem and ultimately their perceived quality of life. So when you look at um, these women, and Ariane said it, and when you read the study, the study says whether you put it in your head, whether you get your friend's hair or whether you got it done at a, you know, at a, at a shop, yeah. it, it counts, you know, and, and so some of these things, just in this conversation we are, we're having, comes out as what we've been experienced culturally to the tune of the incidence of women who use that, get that frequent, like you said, four, four times, more than four times in the previous year, yeah. doubled. Their experience with uterine cancer doubled in that study, um, just to put a number on it, 1.6% among women who never used it, um, use hair straighteners, and then 4.05 when we do use it, quote, frequently, like you, like you, like you mentioned. So then, Dr. So, Green, I mean, so, so based on those findings, do you recommend that women who relax their hair stop? Um, well, based on that, those findings, I would say for my patients, for now, if they ask me, 
Yes, you know, um, and but then it's so ingrained in us. I know people who, if they don't perm their hair, they have low self-esteem, depression, things like that, because they're trying to, uh, you know, meet that. I think Ariane mentioned it, the European standard that is consistently put upon us, the way we dress, the way we speak, the way we look, things like that. And so, you know, I, I, I do think that's a conversation definitely to have at the dinner tables, yes, because that's where impact happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's a conversation to have with your doctors, you know, because, again, you know, we we know there are women who, if they don't perm their hair, it will affect their, you know, that's it true. will lead to depression, quality of life, things like that. And we Very don't want true. that. Mary. But, you know, and it's, it's the, the role that hair plays. The fact that this is our crowning glory, that's what we've been taught. That's what hair is. It means so much to it our mean, culture. But it means so much, not just if you don't permit or you choose to wear it natural, but if you lose it. That was one of the biggest things for me to get over was mm. I lost my hair. And I had hair that was down to almost my waist. Mm-hmm. To lose it and know it's never coming back, that takes a, a, a just a scary. And so I think it has a lot to do with self-esteem. Not just the standard of beauty, but how you see yourself, how you identify. Overall. I was going to ask you, how did you get over it? But are you over it? Oh, yeah, I'm over it now because I can now I can wear my hair exactly these little tiny sprouts that grow up. I'm proud of them. I'm happy with them. I can wear my hair. This is me. This is who I am now. Yeah. And uh, I've, I've gotten used to it. Ariane, more than $700 million worth of hair straightening products were sold last year talking about how big Mm -hmm, this business mm -hmm. has become. Do you think that the recent study is enough to change lifelong habits? I think that it is at least enough to get the conversation going, you know, because I think that, you know, like Dr. Green and Mary have explained, right, like that self-esteem part, like I don't really wear my hair straight at all anymore, mostly because, of course, if I straighten it, Will it last past two hours? Probably not, (laughs) right? Um, And I still get comments from people like, well, you know, you would look so pretty if, you know, with with, with straight hair, right? You know, um, versus the hair that grows out of my head. I can go outside. It can rain. It can do whatever. My curls are going to be exactly the same no matter what the weather does, anything, right? Um, And so, like, just even having these types of conversations about it, can be enough, but I think that honestly, what we know is that I don't know if the health consequences are enough alone yeah. to really change it because it does go back to 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 that standard of beauty, right? right? Like what makes you feel beautiful, and if you only feel beautiful with bone straight hair, is that enough to make you totally change and and try even try something new? You know. Yeah. Um, is that is that enough? And I think that that's the thing is that like if the world is telling us that that's how we look beautiful, you know, then yeah, it, people are still going to do that 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 risk. You know, there's so much risky activity that is not healthy for us that we still engage right. in, and um, I think that people will just chalk it up as well. I I still drink and I still, you know, I might smoke or I do whatever. Well, how is this more risky than that? Well, you know, let's talk to the doctor. What do do you recommend, Dr. Green, uh, to maybe the patient who is concerned and they don't know what to do? Alternatives, maybe? Um, Definitely alternatives. We do have. So what we saw 
Um, was it Ariane that mentioned having a child and then seeing all these new uh, or finding all these new ways to uh, take care of hair? Uh, what we do see is an influx of strategy. And what I love is uh, people with hair like me, you know, putting out products to uh, to make my hair how I want it. And And we see all these examples of beautiful hair and skin that looks like me. So what I usually do is give people, I'm a doctor, I'm like the, what, Robin to the patient's Batman. Mm -hmm. So what I do is give them information like the premise of a hair straightener is to disrupt the coils, right? It disrupts these bonds. And so that chemical also disrupts, it disrupts the bonds in your hair, but in your body when it lands on your scalp, it also disrupts the, it, it, it functions on endocrine disruptions. So they end it, it disrupts some of the cellular patterns that are going on. And as we know, cancer is associated with disruption of standard patterns. So what we see is the increase of this disruptor going amok in your body. And then after we explain that, like what it's doing to your hair, it also does to some endocrine person um, parts of your body. That's why it's associated with uh, reproductive health stuff. Yeah. And then I walk the patient through making the decision. As a doctor, I can make a recommendation, but I am Robin to the Batman. The, pa the, the patient is the leader and has to make the final decision on whatever journey we're on. I'll give you the last but, word, Mary. You know, but but today you see more natural styles. Without this report coming out, I notice. There are a lot of young people who are wearing their hair in natural styles, what we used to call afros, and then braids and locks and twists, and it's beautiful. So I think that over time, young black women will be more uh, likely to embrace natural hair than relaxers. Yeah. That was Mary Mitchell of the Chicago Sun-Times, Ariane Nettles of the Northwestern University, and Dr. Maya Green of Howard Brown Health. Thank you all. Great discussion. Thank you. Thank you.